All right, man. Here we are, back, episode thirteen. Uh, just kind of, hey, man. I uh, apologize for how I, how I split the last, you know, coming out unpackaging the box. I just sort of um, stopped it at what I thought was a good stop point and split the file, created two podcasts and spread it out across two weeks. Um, I didn't do any cute intros and exits or transitions. I just let it be what it is. Um, my technical savvy is limited and my desire to unlimit it is low. But I think that's okay. I think you guys figured it out. Um, so here I am. I'm actually recording this, pre-recording this um, because I'm headed to New Zealand for God's Zone which is a, it is epic. It's an epic world-class adventure race. It's probably the best adventure race in the world right now. Um, Warren is world-class course designer, um, race promoter, director. He's, he's it. Everybody wants to be like Warren. He does the best, the best. Plus, he's a phenomenal athlete. I mean, he's won Primal Quest. So, I'm headed down to Christchurch, then Canterbury for Chapter Eight of God Zone, and I am super stoked. Um, it's up uh, 600 kilometers through the most amazing countryside in the world or amongst some of the most amazing countrysides in the world from sea level paddling to the mountains and the highlands. I mean, it's just going to be gorgeous. I love New Zealand. I raced God's own, uh, before and had a, had an amazing experience with a great team down there. And, uh, I did, I was going to go last year and then something happened. I didn't. And now this year, I was asked to be on a on a team, and um, I just said yes. I said yes, and Chris Smith and I are gonna go down there and make up the two Americans of uh, team number thirty-eight, so you can follow us along. But anyways, when uh, when this podcast comes out, I will already be in New Zealand on the course. So, um, I wanted to pre-record this so that I didn't leave people hanging. Um, I want to be committed to delivering one a week, keep that consistency up, keep keep the good habit fueled and fired. So um, I th- what I'm going to do is I'll talk about, I think I'll talk about God's when I get back, fill in some details or whatever. If anybody's interested, they can get online, look at it, see what adventure racing is all about, multidiscipline sport, covering many, many miles. It's a it's a non-stop. It's not a staged race. You go through stages, but it's a continuous clock. Um, kayaking, swimming, whitewater rafting, mountaineering, rope work, mountain biking, trekking. You have to self-navigate and orient with map and compass. No technology allowed. You know, there's caving. There's all anything and everything to challenge you. And um, co-ed team of four. So we have uh, an amazing Australian woman who is probably the 
most fit, most talented of the entire team. We have another Australian man, and he's uh, he's a world class racer. So, and then Chris Smith. Many of you know, many of you don't. Doesn't matter, but he's a truly exceptional, talented dude. Um, I consider uh, one of my closest, if not closest, friends and mentor at the same time. So. I think I might end up being the weakest link on this team, which is not exciting, but it is. So, anyways, I'll talk about God's Own when I get back um, in three weeks, so around the 20th. I think I land uh, back on the 20th. So, anyways, this week's recording, though, I'm going to... This is kind of an intro, and I'm going to splice in somehow if I figure it out or add it or connect it or something a conversation about adventure racing and ultra endurance sports that I had with um Mo and John, the um the the founders and owners of CrossFit Beyond the Whiteboard. They're the ones that have been advocating for me having a an audience and turning up the volume on my voice and just giving me the platform to talk and share. They're the ones that set me up with the podcast equipment and if it just been in my corner in Nicole's corner and just advocating for us and pushing us to do more truly amazing people. And, uh, they came up to the house for a couple of days and we recorded questions and answers and discussions for like four. I think we recorded for like five hours. We got four hours of material in five or six hours. So this is a clip from a conversation we did together I think it's appropriate because it talks about um, some moments of weakness I've had on on other adventure races and ultra-endurance sports and failure and how I processed it. So I think it's kind of fitting going into this. And um, I'll just leave it at that. I'm going to stop talking now, cut this other one in, and um, we'll see you in uh, three weeks back on, on track and schedule. Thanks, man. What were you saying yesterday about the those 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 three events you did that you thought you were ready for it, and then it like reminded you actually you're here? Yeah, this is great. This is so. I was still in the Marine Corps. I was at the Naval Academy. I was on a Twilight tour, meaning I was getting ready to retire. I was two years out from retirement. I knew I was retiring. I was done. Um, another conversation, another day. And I was enjoying adventure racing. And I had an opportunity to go to Sweden to do the Monster Sweden 500 kilometers, something like that. Started in Norway above the Arctic Circle and went through Norway, the fjords, over the the, the Norwegian-Swedish mountains. I don't know if that's what they are, but there's a mountain range. I don't even think they have a name. Into Sweden, down to the sea or whatever. That was the race. And I was good, man. Like I was physically on point. Like I was, I mean, wasn't still am, but I, I mean, I really was in great shape, you know, um, hard to a lot of experiences to draw from that made me tough. And I went into the monster suite and kind of cavalier. And this is embarrassing. Um, I just sort of arrogant cavalier. We had a gear list before you go over there. And it's, okay, hey, like, wetsuits. Well, I don't feel like spending $400 on an X-millimeter wetsuit. I'm just going to use this one that I have. 
that's half the millimeter thickness. I'm going not, I'm not going to spend the extra money on this massive pack raft because coaster rearing was coming into, into the thing. So basically it's like a, a swimming pool raft that you blow up the lounge on, except they're really good for adventure racing because what you're going to do is you're going to go into the ocean above the arch. I mean, cold ocean water, glacial water in the inland lakes and stuff. And you're going to swim, but you need to be on the pack raft. And I was like, ah, well I, I sent Nicole out to Walmart to buy two of the swimming pool rafts and I didn't <laughs> bring booties. I didn't bring gloves because my feet, when they get cold, I ignore them and my hands get cold. It doesn't matter. And I just was just, I was just too cocky, man. I started believing my own bullshit and thought I was as tough as I was. I thought I was here. Remind me to tell you about the thing that I used to do with um, Lance Corporal Romero. Corporal Romero, now Gunny Romero, Rome Dog. And it's this, this, and this. Um, but so we went into the race. And I'm completely unaffected. Like we're six days into this thing. And it's like, yeah, I'm killing it. You know, I'm not, I've got three teammates a female and two men. And, um, you're responsible to them, right? And you're responsible for them. And it's really cool, that team dynamic. And I also thought like, well, I'm a military guy. Like I'm harder than these civilians also, right? Uh, total overinflation of, of my self-assessment. And, um, we went into a lake and the wind was blowing stiff from right to left stiff. There was waves on this lake and the water is cold. It's a glacial lake. And, um, we start rafting and my raft is deflated and it basically, it isn't a raft. I got a pack on and I'm totally submerged in the water and the wind is blowing the team farther and farther away from each other. And we're drifting really, really far. We haven't really even cleared the peninsula that was putting us a lead of the wind. And it was about a mile and a half swim that we had to do. And we weren't, we were nowhere near halfway in all, and I, I am cold, uncontrollably shivering, and it's painful, and my vision just starts closing in to where it's about two inches, three inch circle, and then it's just dark, and all I can just build, and I can't even, and it's like, hey, you got to shake this out, you're tougher than this, and you do all the, the tricks, like, I'm machine, I'm tougher than this, I'm Tosh, like, I'm this, I'm that, just believing in your own shit, and, and that works to an extent, right, until it doesn't, and I'm drowning, and I'm hypothermic. And I was able to get Tim Coonster, bless that man, he saved he saved my life and he saved the life of all four of us that day. And uh, I was able to get his attention. And the hardest thing I had to do, because I had never done this in my life, ever, and I keep thinking about this, uh, I can't do it. I'm not going to make it. I'm failing. Like, whoa, what? That's not, that's not, who Tosh was. That's not who I believed I was. That's not who anybody else thought I was, believed, looked at me as. What's so cool is Tim Coonster is the type of man that he makes it okay for you to be vulnerable and share those things. with. If he was somebody else, I probably would not have admitted that and I would have drowned and it would have cost me my life and very likely the lives of the three teammates. And, um, but because he was the kind of man he was, oh, mind you, total civilian, no military experience, no nothing, you know, California kind of a hipster sort of dude, right? Um, which is neat because we have this amazing bond, the two of us, we've raced before multiple times and um, just a super connection, which is weird, right? You wouldn't expect that from a, 
an infantry officer dude, combat hardened with this other guy to have this like super beautiful relationship with, which is awesome. And uh, so I, and he's like, you got to hold on, you got to hold on. And he's far away. And I didn't even know what he was doing until after the fact, but I'm just trying to keep my head above the water and I'm trying to keep it so that I can just see something because I like physically I had no eyesight. Like I had this small little pinpoint that I was saw and um, he was flagging down a rescue boat, which ironically, this was the only lake of the next four lakes. There was five lakes in this leg, a 40 mile leg. And this was the only lake that had a rescue boat on it. We would have to do the same thing across three or four other lakes on our course. But um, he flagged the rescue boat down. The rescue boat cruised up, picked up Tim, picked up me, went forward, fighting the waves and the wind to pick up the other two who were also going hypothermic and experiencing the same thing. But they were so far away from us, nope, we didn't have any idea. And um, picked up those two guys. Now we're very close to the other side of the lake. They drove the boat. The boat couldn't handle five of us, the, the coxswain in the boat that rescued us and the team of four with all of our weight. So they took Tim and I and dropped us off on the far shore and the boat went back across to take the other two teammates who were hypothermic back to, um, uh, medical safety staff that were on shore on the backside to get them revived. And we were on the far shore and Tim is just like slapping me and come on, like get me to move a little bit and slowly starting to move and, push up and try to run and jog and yell at each other and just get the blood flowing and fight it until the boat gets back. And I couldn't even tell you how much time it was between the, them picking up, but it was a while. And I had started to shake out of it. Tim had said that when we were in the boat with the team of four, just even trying to navigate. And I have no memory of that. Like that's how, that's how, where I was. Like, I don't remember any of that. He said that I, my eyes were in the back of my head and un- uncontrollably shaking. And they, they just like, Hey, this is, this is the worst possible thing that could fucking happen right now. And I made it, and we all lived, and we finished the course on a short course. We ended up doing a 200-mile bike ride instead of the 40-mile hike and a 20-mile canoe trip. We had to do a 200-mile bike ride to get to the finish line. Um, But coming out of that race, I was embarrassed. I was exactly the person who I despised in others. I was exactly the person that I would yell and correct and try to teach and mentor not to be in my men and would punish and create lessons so that they wouldn't do that. And here, here I am. I was that person. Utterly ashamed, man. And um, came back from that race and just was like, man, I need, I need to figure this out. I need to figure this out. I just failed on so many levels. So I came across this race, a couple of midshipmen and said, Hey, sir, would you take us to uh, Minnesota to do the Arrowhead 135? Well, what's that? Well, that's the hardest race in America. It's a, it's a 135 mile ultra marathon in the middle of winter on the coldest, traditionally historically coldest stretch of days in the year. Temperatures get down to typical negative 20 up to negative 40 degrees. And it's solo event, you haul your sled for 135 miles one way. And I'm like, whoa, I'm in. I'm doing it. I'll take you guys there. They were using me to have a, a commissioned officer be their 
you know, sanctioned, you know, representative to take them so they could get out of school and go do a cool event, which was cool. But I was saw it as an opportunity, like, hey, I can sort some shit out now. I need to figure out who I am. Got on the course. And again, okay, hey, I'm good. Like 135 miles, not hard running. I have 60 hours to complete it. Hey, this is going to be hard. I've been in the North Pole. I've done extreme cold weather training. I'm not, I'm familiar. Hey, no problem. I'm going to, I'm going to, but I'm going to go into this smart. And I went and, uh, I got to mile 82 and I quit. <laughs> I quit. Not because I was physically hurting. And in fact, uh, Todd, who is the snowmobile safety dude, he's super awesome dude. You know, um, Minnesotan guy. Uh, I remember this. I, I just sat down on my sled and he comes up to me at this crossroads in the middle of nowhere. And he's like, you all right? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm done. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I want to go home. Done. He's like, no, nah, man, you're doing great. Like, you're you're way ahead of the timeline. You're way ahead of the pack. Like, I mean, I wasn't in first, but I was in the top third, top of the top third. And um, he's like, no, nah, man, just just pull out your bag. That That's what it's for. We have a, a, a super cold, a cold-rated bag. And um, it was an $800 sleeping bag. I mean, that's what we bought it for. It was a required gear. Jesus. He's like, just pull out your bag. Get in there. Get warm. Get a little sleep. You know, because at this point, I had been going for like 30-something hours, 35 hours, no sleep. And uh, you'll be fine. I'm like, nope. Nope. Done. He's like, come on, man. Like, you're good. Like, and, I'm, and I just packed up my shit, and I got in his truck. So I'm done off the race. I had drove from Annapolis to International Falls, Minnesota for this race. It was 28-hour drive. So now imagine my drive home, 28 hours. I just quit. Now, wait a minute. So I quit physically because I was arrogant and, and stupid and it, uh, I failed at Sweden. I'm coming back to test myself to figure out who I am. I'm at the end of my military career, getting ready to retire, and I f- mentally quit. I'm going back to the Naval Academy with all of these midshipmen who look up to Major Shantosh as this person with all of his experiences and the stories behind him and this and that, this and that. And I've, I'm going back. I'm not going back failing because that's okay to go back, fail, bite off something that you just can't chew and it didn't go as well as you planned. But I, I didn't just fail. I quit. I quit. What blew me away? I went into this, I went into some, I went into like a de- depression. I don't know what classification, but Nicole will tell you like, I was completely not myself. I was functioning at a fraction of my capacity, doing my job at work, um, and falling apart inside at home. Relationship is suffering to the point where I think we're done bad, really, really bad. So what does anybody do? Like, well, go back. Well, I'm signing up again next year. I'm going back. I'm going to go back. And, uh, I trained hard. I was the, I was known as the dude that would run to work with a tire dragging behind him. I'd run three miles to work in the morning and then I would get a ride home and then I would run without the tire to work the next day. And then I would run it home and I would do that. I was training for this now. And I was thinking and I went back to the arrowhead 135 again, got to the halfway point. 
along the way to the halfway point. This was a, a really strange year. It was warmer than usual, but we had a mega snowfall. I think we had like 12 inches of snow in like <clears throat> four hours, five hours. So much snow that you got wet. Being wet in a cold environment like that is deadly. So you got wet if you were putting out too hard because you were sweating or you got wet because the snow was hitting you. You didn't want the snow to hit you so you would zip up and put your shells on. Well, then you would overheat and you would sweat. Like So feet were soaked. Didn't matter. Like I was hammering it. And I had passed pretty much everybody because there's three divisions. There's skiing division, um, fat tire biking division, and running division. Nothing else interested me but the running. But the conditions were so bad that all of the bikers couldn't bike anymore, so they bivvied up. They got their tents out or they got their sleeping bags out and they just waited until the snowfall was done. So I was killing it. I think I was in fourth place or fifth place, got to the halfway point. And along the way, um, I just felt good. I'm like, yeah, I just conquered this. Physically, I'm good. I'm in a great state of mind. I'm at the halfway point way beyond any reasonable expectation to get there, way beyond, way before the cutoff. Um, I'm on fire right now. I am killing this. But I don't like doing solo events. I don't like being alone. I like being in a team environment. I draw my strength from the team. My mind started going. My mind's mind started taking over and tricking me into accepting my performance as good enough. And um, got to the halfway point. Nicole was there at the halfway point. We talked a little bit. And I was like, hey, I'm good. I, I'm cured. I feel great. Are you sure? I'm like, yeah. I feel great, man. This is it. I, on the course, it was a full moon. And it was snowing and it was just so cold. And I'm so wet and I'm killing it. And I'm in a great state of mind and my head's where it needs to be at. I'm happy right now. You know what I want to do? I want to get in the car with you and I want to drive to the finish line. Let's go to the casino. Let's, let's gamble. Let's eat some food and let's support the finish line. I've always wanted to, to do races on the support side. Instead of being a competitor, I wanted to be on the support side because I think those guys, there's no racer that can do a race and be as successful as they are if it's not for the volunteers. And I, and I, and I, and I believe that. And so I was like, Hey, let's go to the finish line. Let's be on the volunteer staff and support racers. We'll find something to do. We'll get in the snowmobile. We'll be safety. We'll help pass out soup. We'll do whatever. You sure you want to do that? Absolutely, man. I'm good. Like I, I'm good now. And I was happy five minutes after we drove off. What the fuck did I just do? What did I just do? I I talked myself into rationalizing that I was okay. I wasn't. I wasn't sorry. But my mind's mind, the mind's mind is amazing. It's it's so sneaky, man. It'll repackage shit. And in your moments of weakness, whatever they may be, for whatever circumstance you're you're, you're facing at the at the time, will will convince you so convincingly that good enough is good enough. And then I was fucked up fucked up. I quit. I quit again. So Sweden, Arrowhead 135, Arrowhead 135 again, fail, quit, quit. And this was back. So these years would have been 2010, 2011, 2012. And that was a significant period for me where it's like, Hey, I need to, and Oh, by the way, now guess what? I'm retiring. And I'm trying to, like, who am I? Who am I? Who have I been for the last 20 years? I'm, all these people think I'm this. I could, 
you know what I could do? I could hang up the hat and rest where I'm at now and salvage this and still be fucking Tosh badass, like whatever it is that people think of me as. Or not everybody does. Some people think absolute opposite of that, and there's probably truth there too. Um, and now I'm all of a sudden going through this existential crisis of what am I going to do? I got to go through this scary transition. I don't even know who I'm at, let alone what I want to do in my life or where I want to go. And I gave up adventure racing. I quit doing all that shit. And I was just going to concentrate on being a CrossFit level one trainer and develop my relationship with Nicole and focus on my kids because I had failed there too. And, um, something, I think two years after that, two years, got a phone call from, uh, Maria. Uh, she owns primal quest, the pinnacle adventure race in North America. Um, ultra expedition length, you know, 500 mile plus 10 days to do. And she, and, and I had done primal quest a couple times before and I was like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to bring back primal quest. We, you want in? And let um, me think about it, whatever. And Nicole and I were driving. We had just got done driving. Remember that we were just got done driving the grapevine, headed north to Santa Cruz. And uh, I'll get back to you, whatever. And we just start talking. Who was that? Well, that was, you know, Maria. Primal Quest is coming back on. And, uh, and something inside of me was intrigued again. I think it's who I am. Um, yeah, I think that you want to know a, a quick route to failure is not being consistent with who you are, fighting who you are. Having loved ones around you that love you and care about you and know who you are to help you when you try to fight who you are and help you not fight, you need to find those people, man. And Nicole's one of those for me. But anyways, um, we started talking about it and we, well, well, you love this stuff. That's who you are. I mean, that's who I love is who you are and this is part of who you are. And well, I mean, I don't, who would I do it with? Like, well, I don't know, like Chris Smith, no brainer. Chris Smith will do it. I'm going to ask Chris Smith, but that's not the problem. It's like, you have to have a, it's a co-ed team. So you have to have a female. And so it's like, well, of all the females that you know, who would you pick? And we talked about it for a while and enamored with Sheri Chan and who, um, you know, who her image is to all of us. And I was like, well, I, Sheri Chan, like, I think I would talk to her. She's outdoorsy. She's adventurous. I really respect her a lot. And I'm like, I would do it with her. I guess that would be the female. And so, uh, then I was like, well, why not her husband too, Matt Chan? I mean, here's an accomplished athlete and who he is and the image that he puts out to the world outdoorsy, adventurous, talented in that arena. And I was like, well, I guess I'll ask him and we'll see. I asked him and we decided to put that team together to go back to primal quest. And, uh, I don't even know why we're, we're rambling now. We're just telling my life story, which isn't important, but the long story is that, I said, yes, we put together a team. We went back to Primal Quest and it reinvigorated the, uh, the fire inside of me to do what I love. The fire inside me to keep challenging myself and not give up and not rest on who I already was, but to, can you try to, to grow and push and evolve and do it? And so then I got back into it and I've been on a, you know, that Primal Quest, we didn't do well at all, but it's Okay. Because I, I came out of that primal quest as a massive success for me personally and professionally because I've been driven now to keep doing these things and not only keep doing them, but keep doing harder and harder ones or, and it doesn't have to be harder in terms of measuring weight, but harder in terms of things that I've never done. Sometimes that weighs a whole lot more, 
you know, okay, so you can run a hundred miles. Well, let's go run 150 miles. Okay. Well, that's harder, but it's running and you've run a hundred miles. Like you already have like, what about, what about riding your mountain bike from Canada to Mexico on the continental divide? Like, let's do that. Let's do 2,794, whatever the mileage was on a mountain bike. Okay. That's hard. So, so you these know? are, so, so these are the things you did after. Yeah. So I just started doing more and more things, different things, challenging myself with harder and harder stuff. Just, just like list them off real quick. Just so I, cause I want to know. Oh man, we lots of primal quests. Um, went to God zone in New Zealand and did an adventure race down there. Went to Australia for the world championships. What's, what's the God zone? God zone is probably the ultimate premier event in the world for adventure racing. I mean, Warren runs a, an exceptional course. He's an exceptional course director, designer, and he's got the most amazing staff and it's in some magnificent countryside. It's international. And so I went and did the God zone. I went and did um, the world championships at, in Australia XPD. I went back to Arrowhead. I went back to Arrowhead and finished. I went back to Arrowhead a second time after that because I needed to make sure it wasn't a fluke <laughs> and finished. Beat my time by six and a half hours. Um, what else have I done? Continental, mountain bike, the Continental Divide. Um, we locked ourselves in a shipping container for 24 hours in complete darkness. We'll talk about that maybe later, another, another time. And, um, Go as far as you can on a true form runner. Total, total sensory deprivation. Um, I do some backcountry stuff here. I live an outdoor lifestyle and constantly trying to build skills in smaller events and that. In that. 